0: Today, we conclude our series on the book of Jude, entitled Contend for the Faith. Jude is a battle cry. It's a call to arms. I guess it seems appropriate that we conclude this on Memorial Day. Uh, I didn't plan that, but that's the way God worked it out. Because it is a battle cry. It is a battle cry. He, he's calling us to get into the game. He's calling us to, to get into this thing we call the Christian life and defend the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Typically, we as Christians do want do not want to be in conflict. Uh, we, we kind of shy away. From, from any type of conflict or any type of controversy. We just kind of hope things will go away. Uh, or we hope at least nobody will call us to have to do anything. So what do we do? We stay home or we stay in our nice little auditoriums and we sing about heaven, but we never really go out and tell anybody about heaven. Uh, that, that seems to be what we do as followers of Christ. Uh, we don't want to do the battle. But Jude says we have to contend for the faith. We have to do this. It's one of our callings. We are in a battle for truth in the world in which we live. We are in a battle over what we will believe and what we will not believe. And we cannot run from the truth. You know, the Bible says the truth will set you free if we we contend for the truth. So we've got to defend the gospel. And we got to defend the truth of God's Word. And there's a little fear involved in this. You know, that there's a fear that, that we might turn, that, that we might be persuaded to leave the faith. So, so it's risky business. And, and this is what Jude is trying to encourage us. So in the closing verses of Jude, verses 24 through 25, he's saying that, you know, I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to learn to to praise God, and in the midst of praising God, here's some encouragement I want to give you. So Jude writes this closing doxology. One of the great verses in the Bible, you probably have read it, probably the only verse you really know from Jude are these two verses we're going to look at today. It's meant to be a doxology of praise to God, but at the same time, it's an encouragement for us as we're contending for the faith. So we're going to look at these words this morning in Jude 24 through 25. We're going to look at them under the heading, Trust in the Lord. (coughs) Notice what Jude says. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. The first thing we see in this is we can trust in the Lord because He can preserve us. We can trust in the Lord because He can preserve us. Look at verse 24. He says... Once again, to him who is able. Let's stop right there. Notice that word able. That word able, this is the third time in the New Testament that particular word is used. It's used first in Romans chapter 16, verse 25, when it says, Now to him who is able to establish you. It's also used another time in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, when Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. In both connotations, in both contexts, it is God who is able to do something that we can't do ourselves. And now what we see it in this passage, he says, To him who is able to keep you from falling that's what we see in verse 24. What what is God able to do in, in, in this passage? To him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. What is God able to do? He's able to keep you from falling away. He's able to keep you from falling. That word that's used for falling means falling away is what it literally means. You see that word guard, or keep, it's the word guard. And so the picture being painted by Jude is that Jesus is standing guard over us, over our salvation, he's keeping us safe, and because he's doing that, we're not able to fall away. We do not have the ability to fall away because God is guarding us. Now, he's not guarding our life, he's guarding our reward. You've got to keep those in context. God is guarding our reward that is laid up for us in heaven. So what does it mean? Jude is saying, in, in the process of contending for the faith, in, in the process of standing up for the truth of God's word, we might get beat up. We might get bloodied. We might get maimed. And we might even be killed in our calling to defend But our eternal reward is secure. Our eternal reward is guarded, It's kept safe, and God is able to keep us from falling away. It means that we're not alone in this. God is undergirding us. He's strengthening us. God is with us. He's not promised us an easy road. He says, as you're out there contending for the faith, as you're out there standing for the gospel, as you're out there doing a, a st- standing for the truth of God's word, it's not necessarily going to be easy. He said, but your reward is secure. It's okay. He's going to preserve it. Turn over real quick to John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Jesus offers us some insights into this. In John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, listen to what Jesus says. He said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. A couple of words I want you to underline. If you be around me long enough, you know I like you to underline. I like you to highlight. I like you to circle because it draws your attention to it. And the reason I have you do that, you go back and say, you know, the preacher preached one time on a word. That was over in John. Let me see if I can. And you flip over. Oh, there it is right there. It, it makes it easier for you to recall those things. I want you to underline first the word perish. Uh, that, that word perish is, means eternal punishment. Is that, that you, you will never suffer eternal punishment? That's the opposite of eternal life. Another word, the word I want you to underline is the word snatch. It appears two times in this passage. That's the same word that's used in Jude 23 when we are told to snatch people away from the fire, to pull them back, to jerk them away. Jesus is saying in this passage, That no one is able to snatch us, to pull us out of the Father's hands. So since we are firmly in the hands of God, no one has the ability to pull us out. No one has the ability to jerk us out of his hand, to snatch us out. If you have given your life, if you have given your heart and you've given your life to Jesus Christ, he will never let go. Never. He says all the way to glory, he's going to hang on to us. Now, some people believe you can lose your salvation. There's some denominations that teach you you can lose your salvation. Perhaps after me preaching through Jude, you think that maybe you can lose your salvation too. Uh, i wrestled with this for several weeks in my office and I said, Lord, this is tough. But I told y'all to hang on till we got here. Uh, we think, some people think they can lose their salvation. Well, I got news for you. If you don't hear anything else I say, Hear this. You cannot lose genuine salvation. You cannot lose it. You didn't do anything to get it, and there's nothing you can do to keep it. It's all a gift of God. And since it's a gift from God, he's not an Indian giver. He gives it to you, and then he takes it away because he's a loving father. He's a good father. You can't sin your way out of a relationship with God. Why? Because he is able. He's able to keep us. He's able to preserve us. In this life, if you will walk with God and you, will, and you will keep yourself in the love of God, you will walk in victory. You will do it. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. It doesn't mean you're not going to slip up every now and then. But God is able to keep you from falling in to the same sin over and over and over. Because he puts within you this desire, this ability to walk away from that. Sometimes automatically. Other times it takes a little longer for some of us because we're a little bit more boneheaded than others. You know what I'm talking about because you have children that way, don't you? Some of them they just get it. Oh, they're just they're just so they just get it. And in others, he said, "When are you ever going to learn this? Why do you think God would be any, would we be any different?" I think that's why God gives us children, so we understand him a little bit better. But he's able to keep us from falling in the same sin. He's able to keep us from falling out of a relationship with him. Jesus says to to his disciples, he goes, look, you are firmly in my hands. He said, if that's not good enough for you, God then takes his hands and places them over my hands. So that you are securely in the hands of Jesus and you're securely in the hands of the creator of the universe. Do you really think there's anybody that can come against him? No one, no one has the ability to snatch you out of the hands of the father. You can't be snatched. You can't fall out. You can't be ripped out. There's no way, no how, because he is able to keep you from falling you might be worried that you could lose your salvation but it can't happen if you listen if you are truly saved you are truly saved forever that's the truth but remember the context of jude never read this verse outside the context uh, of the greater story. Jude was writing about false teachers who were coming into the church. They were among us. They weren't outsiders. They were among us and, and they were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching heresy that was destroying these young Christians who were being led astray and Jude did not like it. He said, listen, you got to get, get in the game. You got to get in this battle. Because there's people out there that are trying to deceive you. There's people out there that are trying to destroy you. There's people out there that are trying to to, to denigrate everything that you do and everything that you believe. you got to contend for the faith. We may face some difficulties. We may go through some trials. We may go through some temptations. We may go through some testing times. There even may be moments of Fear. And yes, there might be moments of doubt. But in the process of contending of the faith, God is able, God is able to preserve us. But I want to give a word of caution. Just because this passage says that God is able to preserve us, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be preserved. Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father. The security of our salvation does not mean that people can live in patterns of unrepentant sin and still be secure. Those who profess faith in Christ and then fall away into a lifestyle of sin reveal their profession was never genuine. Let me read that again. Let me say that again. Those who profess faith in Christ and then fall away into a lifestyle of sin reveal their profession was never genuine. Biblical support. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19 says this, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. But listen to me. Those of us whose faith is real, our salvation is secure. If your faith is real, your salvation is secure. We don't have to worry about that because God is able to keep us. So we can trust in the Lord because he can preserve us. But he also says we can trust in the Lord because he can present us. Look at verse 24 again. He's able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence. What's God able to do? What's Jesus able to do? He's able to present us to the Father. This means to formally introduce to another individual. It's to bring to someone's attention. Christ has the ability to introduce us to the Father. He has the ability to escort us into the very presence of the Father. It kind of gives new significance to that phrase uh, that Jesus said No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. You don't gain an audience. You don't gain an introduction in your own ability. You gain an audience. You gain an introdu- introduction because of the presence of Christ who presents you. How does He present us? First, he says he presents us without fault. Without fault. That word fault means without stain, without blemish, untarnished. We we get this picture sometimes, especially I think the younger generation, because that's the way they work, you know. But the younger generation, we think that God is standing up in heaven and he's got this computer tablet. And on that tablet, he's got a spreadsheet of every sin that we've ever committed. And he's got it cross-referenced and footnoted uh, for every time, every event, he's probably even got it cross-referenced with other people's lives when we were in the company with them, so that when we, he said, oh, not, I've got it referenced over here too. So we, we have no defense against God. For those of us a little bit older, God just got a big chief tablet, is what he's got. <laughs> he's he wrote them all down. You know, for me, it's you know it's probably this high. You know, <laughs> big chief tablet. You know, written on, on you know in the margin. Uh, but you know, that, that's what we get this impression. Uh, uh, of that and we stand before God with these stains we stand for God for God, God with these, these blemishes and that stain makes us look dirty it makes us look damaged it, it blocks out our ability to stand before God but I got news for you Jesus can get the stain out Jesus can take away the blemish Jude says, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you clean, pure, purged, spotless, uncontaminated, unpolluted, untainted, unstained, washed. When Jesus does the job, he does the job well. Christ wants to take away the stains of our sin. He wants to take it away. Jesus can wash you clean. I think literally it's wash in Texas, we say wash, uh, but it's wash. Jesus can wash away your stains. You know, all of the great hymns of the faith sing about, sing about it. How about this one? There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There is power, power, wonder-working power in what? In the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has the ability to present you to God without fault because His blood covers your sins and His blood will never lose its power. Jesus is able to do that. Not only is he able to present us before his glorious presence without fault, but he also says with great joy. He's able to present us before the presence of God with great joy. Now you would think it'd be just the opposite. You would think it would be in fear. Oh, I hope I did enough. Oh, I'm about to meet him. I hope, I hope I'm okay. I hope I'm dressed right. I tell you something. When you get into heaven, if you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about what you look like. Amen. You don't have to worry if you're wearing your Sunday best or your shoes are shined. You got your Sunday tie or your or your Easter bonnet on, ladies, because you're only going to stand there in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's all that matters. But it should produce fear. The Bible says that when Isaiah came into the presence of God, he pronounced a curse upon himself. He goes, "Oh, woe is me, because I'm a dead man." Ezekiel, when he came into the presence of God, he fell over like a dead man. When Peter, James, and John encountered the, pre- encountered the presence of God on the on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, they were gripped with fear. Whenever John, the the apostle, when when he saw Jesus revealed to him in the book of Revelation, it says he fainted like a dead man. But here in Jude, it says we'll be presented with great joy. With great joy we'll be presented. Why is that? Because of what Jesus Christ accomplished. It is finished. It is done. It is accomplished. I've done everything that needs to be done. And suddenly that stern judge that we read about in the the Old Testament, that stern judge becomes a loving father. He becomes a loving father. I want you to get that picture in your mind. Think of the picture of a loving father. It's kind of like the image of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son comes home and instead of Being met with rebuke instead of being met with with fear and condemnation. The Father takes him in his arms and he says, I love you. And I have always loved you. I've loved you since the foundation of the world. And and I've loved you all the way into glory. That's what Jesus, that's what God would do to the to us. This verse is so exciting. I was just talking to one of our dear saints this morning. I didn't realize the guy was 90. Uh, It shocked me. He looked 89. Uh, (laughs) And I know we have others in here that, that are 90. This is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. You know why? Because it tells us what happens when we get to heaven. It tells us what happens. It tells us what happens to those who know the Lord you know what it says we get to see him face to face we get to see him face to face the one who knows us and the one that we know that's heaven folks we get to meet the creator and the lover of our soul the one that gave his life so that he could have a relationship with you And he says, we get to meet him. We get to meet him with great joy. He is able to present us without fault and with great joy. We can be confident. And here's the question. God is able. Are you willing to come to him? God is able to present you without fault and with great joy. Are you willing to come to Him? Because if you're willing to come to Him in faith, then Jesus, by His grace, will present you to the Father without fault and with great joy. If you're willing to come to Him, will you do it? Look at that last phrase. Verse 25. To the only God our Savior be glory. Majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. That last phrase, it's a final praise to God. Jude is saying that, that we are to live our, li- our lives, should be all about praise to God, not just with words, but through our actions as well. The bottom line is this everything we do, everything we say, everywhere we go, everything we, we, we think, ought to bring glory and honor to the Father in heaven. He's the one that's worthy. Jesus is the one that's worthy. He bought our life. He purchased our lives. And and He is worthy of our service. For our life to be a life of praise, we got to bring glory to Him. In order to bring glory to Him, we have to respond to the call. Which responded to the call. Jude is saying, he said, God deserves the glory. Get in the game. He said, you were created for a purpose. You were created for a reason. And I can always say, it's not to sit, soak, and sour. There aren't any of those people in heaven. Trust me. There's nobody in heaven that's going to sit, soak, and sour. So why are you practicing here? God says we are to be getting into the game he says you are created and you are saved for an eternal purpose you are bought with a price and your response is to submit your lives to him because he's worthy of your service don't be so concerned about how life is going here on earth that you fail to live your life for an eternal purpose we get so down on ourselves we get so down on, on the church trust me I've been throwing a pity party for the last three weeks. When we get down on things, when we get down when, when God, when, when things don't go the way we think they should go, stop thinking that way and keep your eyes on the prize. We don't live in this world. We're just a part of this world, but our home, our citizenship is in heaven. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Now remember, Paul's writing these words in Timothy while he's in prison. He's about to be executed, or so he thinks. And listen to what he says. He said, I have fought the good fight. Did you hear that? I've contended for the faith. I have fought the good fight. He goes on and says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Are you contending for the faith? Here's the good news. It's never too late. It's never too late. If you haven't been in the game, it's never too late. What can you do? You can start standing for truth in the public square. You can start sharing your faith with, with your friends, your relatives, your associates, and your neighbors. We call it frangelism. Friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, lism, evangelism. Sharing it with individuals. Committing your life to service to God. You don't have to be a missionary. Uh, you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be on on church staff. Uh, You don't have to be a deacon. You don't even have to be a teacher in, in, in the church setting. All you got to do is be faithful to him who can preserve you and present you to the Father in heaven. You can trust the Lord. You can do it. But will you do so today? And that's God's challenge. That's God's call upon you this morning. Will you commit to Jesus? Some of you need to commit your life for the very first time to the one, to the one who's able to present you, to the one who's able to keep you from falling, to the one who's able to present you before the Father in heaven without fault and with great joy. Some of you, for the very first time, listen, my friends, you will not get there on your own merits. You do not have the ability, you do not have the capacity to stand in the presence of God without Jesus Christ being your advocate. You can't do it. Unless you are in Christ, you cannot stand before a Holy Father. So some of you for the very first time said, I need Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life i got to commit my life to Christ. I recognize I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe that he paid the price for my sins. And today I'm committing my life to follow Jesus Christ because I know he's able. He's able. He's able to preserve me, to keep me from falling away. For others of you, uh, you're you're a church attender, but you're not really a church involver. Does that make sense? Uh, You attend the church but you're not really involved in the ministry of the church. You're not giving financially to support the church. You know, you're, not, you're not attending regularly in church service. You know, you're not serving in any capacity in the church. I said, is that what you want to do when you get to heaven? You know, you said, I, you know Jesus, you know, I'm really just too tired. I don't really think I want to work anywhere in heaven. Can I just sit here in that corner? not singling anybody out in the corner, by the way. Can I just kind of sit here and maybe nobody would notice me? He's got a job for you to do. He's got a task for you to do. Don't sit there and think that all you're going to do when you, when you get to heaven is just play the harp. Guys, if you didn't play the harp on earth, you're probably not going to play it in heaven. Huh? <laughs> then we're just going to sit on clouds. And, uh, it's work to do. There's work to do. You don't believe me? Go to, Genesis, go, to, go to Revelation chapter 22. It talks about a garden being there. It talks about water. Uh, it talks about we have access to the tree of life once again. Maybe what God is trying to say, as it was in Genesis 1 and 2, it will be again. Some of you say, oh, you've got to get in the game. You're a church member. But you're not involved church will go on because you're not doing anything anyway, so it will go on. And I want you to know that. If you decide not to get in the game, I want you to know the church will continue. It will continue because this is the bride of Christ. This is the body of Christ. It's not the building. It's the people. For others of you, you need a church home. You know, uh, maybe your 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 attendance is some way somewhere a long way away. Maybe it's nearby. Maybe you're looking for a church home, and maybe God has brought you here because He wants you to be a part of this church, so that you can be involved in ministry, you can be involved in missions, you can be involved in in, in service in the church and outside the church. Maybe God has brought you here for that reason. Whatever decision you didn't make, we're going to invite you to come. Kip's going to come and lead us. Marilyn and Cassie are going to come and play. We're going to open it. We won't belabor the point. We're not going to drag it out. I pretty much know everybody in here. And you're good people. I want you to know that. You're good people. I love you. More importantly, God loves you. And He's loved you since the foundations of the world. And He's called you in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus to be His witness here on earth. The question is, what kind of witness are you going to be? A witness for His glory? That's the way it should be. Would you stand with me? as I lead us in a time of prayer.